0: Are you ready to get into the Word of God? Are you expecting to receive? See, the thing is, is that if you come expecting from God, then that's who you're going to receive from. I hope you didn't just come and wrap up all your expectation in me. (laughs) Because in myself, I mean, I need help. So I'm not going to be able to tell you all about it. But the one who is perfect, the one who knows all about it, who has all the answers He knows each and every individual need of ours, no matter how large they may seem to us or how small they may seem to us. It's not a matter of, is this important or not? Or should I bother God with this or not? Because it just seems like such a small thing. Listen, you are a big thing to God. So no matter what size of petition you have, that's not the matter. He's just looking at who's asking Amen. Because he wants to do for us because he loves us. So it, it really makes no difference how important the, the, the request or the need may be. Um, what's important to God is who's asking. It's his precious son. It's his precious daughter. Amen. Praise God. And, and you think, man, who's his precious? Son? You are. <laughs> you are his precious son. You are his precious daughter if you are in Christ and if you're born again. Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 17. And I'm going to read just the fifth and the sixth verse. If I titled this message, I would call it Faith for the Impossible. You know, God doesn't give you faith for the likely, He doesn't give you faith for the potentially. He gives you faith for the impossible. Listen, you don't need faith for what you can do. You know what you can do. You don't have to tell yourself what you can do. You know what you can do. That's why you don't need faith in what you can do. Because you're not relying on what someone else told you they could do. You're the one doing it. You don't need to believe what you say. You just have to believe what someone else says if you trust them then you ought to believe them. But faith is for the impossible because it's something that you know you cannot do. Say faith is for the impossible. Listen, so if you are analyzing your need before you make your petitions to God and you're figuring out how it could likely happen before you pray, you're taking God out of the picture and you really don't need to pray. Just go figure it out. You know, go with your gritted teeth and uh, bare knuckles and go make that thing happen. And then guess what? You may think you've accomplished something, but how you start something is what you're going to have to keep doing to keep it going. So if you start it in yourself, you're going to have to continue it in yourself. You know, in first John, it says uh, whatsoever is born of God does what? Overcomes the world. And then in another, another place there, it says, and whosoever is born of God overcomes the world. So you got whatsoever is born of God. Listen, you, you, you're going to fit in that one. You because at least you're a whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> you, <laughs> you might read that where it says, whosoever is born of God overcomes. You think, well, I, I don't know if I'm a whosoever. Well, then you are whatsoever at least and you're going to overcome the world. Amen. Do you remember that woman that came to Jesus for healing and and Jesus said healing is the children's bread, right? So basically he was dissing her or dismissing her, disrespecting her. There's reasons for that because she wasn't a Jew. Uh, But also Jesus sometimes says stuff uh, to test us to see how we're going to act. Amen. He wants to see what's beneath the surface of our urgent need. Everybody can get real humble looking and acting when they really have a need. But it's just like just below the surface, it can get real ugly sometimes. Right. So Jesus, man, it's like he messed with people like he probably needed to read that book, how to win friends and influence (laughs) people, because Jesus never applied any of that logic. (laughs) You know, the guy that the rich young ruler that came to Jesus and he said, you know, uh, all these things, all these laws I've obeyed from my youth up. He said, I want to follow you. Jesus said, go sell all you have and give it to the poor. I mean, if it was most of us evangelistic folks today, we would have said, you want to follow Jesus? Quick, say this prayer with me right now before you change your mind. (laughs) Right? Right? But Jesus, he said, go sell all you, have because he's he's getting beneath the surface. He wants to make sure that people are coming with fruit, meat for repentance. Those who came to be baptized by John the Baptist, he's out there in camel's hair. Man, you know he didn't smell good. I mean, he was a rough old country dude is what he was, man. He was just rough and tough. Amen. Didn't care what nobody thought. I ain't going to those city folks. If they want anything I got, they got to come out to me to get it. You know, well, that's what God called him to do. You know, wouldn't that be an awesome calling, man? I mean, camel hair and what does say, brush your teeth with honey or well, I don't know what the guy did. I mean, he did all kinds of crazy stuff. But anyways, uh, the, all these people started coming out and said all the people from the city came to hear him and to be baptized of him. And and I mean, man, it's like the perfect Facebook post. Look at my crowd out here coming to get baptized by moi. You know, I'm just the Lord's humble servant, you know, (laughs) selfie with everybody, you know. (laughs) No, he told those people, he perceived their hearts real quick. And he said, you go on back home and you don't come back until you show some fruit worthy of your repentance you just trying to get in with the in crowd. Now, where were you at when everybody was talking about me and about the Messiah? I mean, man, he nailed him, didn't he? What got me on all that? (laughs) You don't remember what got me on that? I was telling another story before I got on that one. Well, maybe. (laughs) I don't know, but that was good anyway. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Maybe I'll just back up a little bit, and we'll, if I need to, I'll get to that again. But whosoever is born of God overcomes the world, right? But then it also says there, whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. So you got two things that are being born of God. We know in Christ we were born of God, right? If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things passed away, and all things become new, right? Okay, what does it mean by whatsoever, That means that what God has ordained in your life is what he has birthed. Okay, so remember I said what you do to get something going is what you're going to have to do to what? Keep it going. going. See, one time my uncle and my dad, they both lived on the same country road out East Lubbock. And there was a guy next door to us. He didn't even live there, but that's where he raised his hogs. And he'd come out about on the weekend to slop them. He'd pick up all the old food from United and he would just dump all the watermelon, all the tomatoes, all the old lettuce, just dump it over in the bag and just feed his hogs, you know. And he really was a, a nice guy. I liked him. His name was Buck. But when the wind would blow from the east, it would blow right on. And you didn't have air conditioner in this in this trailer house. So those fans would just blow in all that hog stink, you know. And uh, my, my dad and my uncle had their fill of it, right? And finally they said, we're calling the health department, we're calling the, you know. <laughs> and they called and complained about their neighbor And within before too long, I don't know just how long it was, but all of a sudden we we saw lights and sirens and everything. And it was like a whole parade of fire trucks and vehicles, city vehicles, all coming out. And it was like nuts, y'all. And so so Ray and my dad and myself, we went out in the front yard and we saw them coming down the block. And uh, Ray called and and said, and, and he's the one who actually made the call. So my uncle said. What are we going to do, Joey? That's my dad's name. What are we going to do, Joey? He said, he said, what do you mean we? He said, this is your baby, Ray. <laughs> and my dad went back in the house. <laughs> this is your baby, Ray. See, because Ray birthed it. Ray had to take care of it. And when we birth things, it didn't say, the Bible doesn't say nothing about whatsoever. You birth will overcome. It does not say whatsoever is born of you will overcome, does it? So, the Bible does not say what is born of us overcomes. No, what is born of us fails. So, y'all see that? 1 John 5, 4, whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So, we know that whatsoever is born of us is not guaranteed to overcome, but the Scripture tells us that whatsoever is born of God is guaranteed to overcome. That means what God tells you to do will succeed. It's not about us deciding what we want to do and then asking God to bless our plan. See, many times we birth our own ideas and then we look to God to raise the baby. But whatsoever is born of God overcomes. See, if you'll do what God tells you to do, you'll never be happier doing anything else. You just think you might be happier doing this other thing over here. And you'll be surprised that if you will submit your life and commit yourself to him and his plan for your life entirely, it may look like you're throwing away the biggest dream and vision that you had in your heart. But you'll see how God has wonderful, marvelous ways of bringing back around those things that you wanted to do and incorporating them with his plan down the road. He just wants to know, are you willing to lay it aside? You see, Jesus said, except the kernel of wheat fall in the earth and die, it cannot bring forth fruit. And he was speaking really specifically of himself and how that he would die and be uh, buried in a tomb, but then he would be resurrected, right? And now many sons have been brought unto glory. That's you and I, sons and daughters of God, are born of God. Now we're children of God, right? And so... Jesus talked about how before a seed could produce and multiply, that seed had to first die and be buried. And when it came to Joey Hamlin Ministries, that's what I had to do years ago before I started pastoring this church was I was working so hard to try to get Joey Hamlin Ministries off the ground. And I just I knew God told me. I was called to the ministry, but I didn't have the exact plan, you know. The Bible says man devises his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Well, I had what I thought was God's plan, and in the process, he got me where I needed to be. He's merciful. Praise God. Amen. But the Lord brought that scripture to me in the Gospels where Jesus said, except a kernel of seed fall in the earth and die, it cannot bring forth fruit. And God hit me with that right up the side of my head, man. And I knew right then I had to let Joey Hamlin Ministries International die. And I had to bury it. When you bury something, that means you don't go back and check on it and see if it's grown or doing anything, you know. It's gone. I had its funeral, and God told me, I want you to submit. See, I'd already left my job to go into, a, quote, full-time ministry, and it was not full, <laughs> you know. But God told me to, and His grace was on my life to do it. So I just, hard, I went after trying to build JHMI. I just thought, you know, this is what God wants me to do. That's what I thought. My heart was right. But then that scripture came to my mind about the kernel of wheat dying. And until it dies, it cannot bring forth fruit. And I knew the Lord was telling me right then and there I needed to let Joey Hamlin Ministries die and I needed to submit myself to Pastor Bracken Christian. Now that I wasn't working my full time job anymore, I was supposed to go over there just like I was a paid employee and just do whatever I could do. I did all kinds of different things during that time. And so I did that for the next uh, uh, three months, I think. And then that's when Pastor Bracken called me and asked me if I would pray about being the pastor of Family Harvest, well, at that time, Church on the Go, if I would pastor Church on the Go post-Texas. You see, we try to resuscitate what God is trying to kill. And when you try to resuscitate what God is trying to, to cause to die, He can never bring to life this thing over here that He's got planned for you that you don't even have any idea about. And I am so glad now looking back this April, we we came the first Wednesday of April in 2001. So this April will be 18 years that we've been pastoring here. And um, uh, we commuted for the first three months and we've lived here in post after that first three months. But now if I could go back and choose and God said, look, you could have it your way. Do you want to pursue Joey Hamlin Ministries? Or do you want to pastor this church? I mean, a thousand times over, I would be right here where I'm standing with you today. But I would, could not have known that. So faith is not about what makes sense. Okay? Faith is not about what's likely to occur or to happen. Faith isn't about what's possible. Faith is about when God tells you what He wants you to do, you trust that He has your best interest at heart. And you lay down whatever you got to lay down, and you pick up the plan of God for your life, and you run with it. Well, now, see, um, towards the end, about the last three months of 2017, the Lord—and listen, I had Joy Hamlin Ministries Incorporated back in 1998. So, well, that's a long time. That's 20 years now, Okay. God, I knew he told me to incorporate the ministry. So I'm, he, he tells you one step and we think, boy, he wants us to do everything. You know what I mean? But he tells us one thing. And 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 it's the human nature is to uh, uh, read more into it than what he actually told you to do. But I, I incorporated the ministry, um, tax exempt status, you know, all the things you need, you know, to. To to have a legal ministry and uh, give people tax receipts and whatnot for their giving and um, did all that. Man, never did even have a place to preach, but I did what God told me to do. You know what I mean? Well, that was 20 years ago. Well, at the end of last year, just the last three months of 2017, the Lord said, pick it back up. So we've been working and Mr. Keith and Nicole have been really, really helping me a lot with getting the teaching ministry products ready you know, and, and also working on books. And now I've got a little mini book and then a little bit larger book, the spirit led ministry book, the grace seemed to be stronger on the CD products than the books, but that's okay. We're just going where the flow is. Amen. And work and focusing on that. But that's not seemingly too great or big of a step, but God said, pick it back up. So I'm picking it back up. Now, when I go places to preach, people can have access to the teaching ministry that you guys have here in post, you know? So it's just, obeying God step by step. And where is that going to take me? I, I don't know exactly how that's going to grow or how that's going to do what or, you know, but when we're just following God. Amen. And that's that, too many times when we pray, we want to hear something or know something or something to happen tomorrow. Man, this has been 20 years, y'all. You see what I'm saying? Can you stick with it through the long haul? Man devises his way, but the Lord directs his steps. So, I just say all that. I think the main point the Holy Spirit's wanting me to get across here in that all that I just said is that faith is not for the likely. Faith is not for the potentially. Faith is for the impossible. And you don't need faith in your ability. You only need faith in someone else's ability. Because why? You know what you can do. Okay? So, what God does in our life isn't based on what we can comprehend. If it was based on what we could comprehend, we could do it. But the problem with us doing it is now, since it was born of us, what has to happen now? We have to maintain it. We have to maintain it. So how many want God to maintain? Yeah. Amen. Praise. That, that, that doesn't mean you don't have to be diligent. That don't mean you, you don't have to be a hard worker. Uh, that doesn't mean you don't have to be excellent. But there is more than just your uh, strength And diligence holding the thing together. That is comforting. Amen? That is so relieving to know that there is something that I cannot see that's undergirding this project that I'm on right now. Praise God. All right, so did you find Luke 17? Because in Luke 17, we really get the answer here that every Christian wants to know the answer to. How do I get more faith? I mean, if you know Hebrews eleven six, without faith, it is what? Impossible to please God. Okay, so naturally, we want to be able to please God, so that means we're, we're hunting up us some faith. I gotta have some faith so I can please God, right? Well, in Luke 17, In verse 5, the apostles said to the Lord, and and they weren't even asking. They were not playing. They said, increase our faith. But does faith come by asking for it? Faith in Romans 10 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Okay, you know, if, if I want faith in James, I don't come to James and say, James, would you please give me some faith so I can believe you? I just told James right there the, where our relationship's at, by the way. <laughs> I mean, Pastor, you're, you're also my brother-in-law, and I've been knowing you for a long time now. And you're coming to me asking me to give you faith that I'm going to do what I told you I would do? That s- says a lot about the value I place on my relationship with James, doesn't it? It tells him the value I'll place on that relationship and the integrity of his word. Listen, if James tells me he's going to do something now and it doesn't happen, I'm calling because something's the matter. And so, you know, you don't have to question the the word of someone that you know and that you trust. So faith doesn't come from God by asking for it. You don't get faith from God by asking for it. it. You can't get faith from anyone by asking. Faith is not something I can pull out of my front pocket and hand to you. And now you are gonna believe everything I ever tell you. Well, if I could, I would. <laughs> I work that, you know, no, I'm just kidding. Well, <laughs> you, you, you know how you can work that, huh? I mean, it's like, <laughs> so no, faith doesn't come by asking for it. It's not something somebody can pull out of their pocket and hand to you. Faith can only come in a person's word by you getting to know their character, getting to know their integrity, and experiencing being around them for a period of time. And the longer you know them, the greater faith you'll have in them. That if they say they're going to do something, by golly, they're going to do it. Amen. So faith doesn't come by asking for it. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing the word of God. Okay, so the premises is that you believe God and you know he's God and that he cannot lie. So faith comes by hearing God because you know his character. You know that his word is good, right? So the apostles said unto the Lord, increase our faith. Now, what's interesting in this, and it's not really part of my message, but the context is Jesus is talking about not having bitterness and walking in love and walking in forgiveness. And the very next thing that the apostles say is increase our faith. (laughs) It's like because they're like, I don't know how I could do that unless I get a faith bump. There ain't no way I could forget because everybody thinks about that person, you know, when, when walking in love is mentioned, <laughs> you know, or that situation, right? Well, they said, increase our faith. And then in verse six, the Lord said, oh, here you go. Let me just a second. let me get it for you. No, that ain't what he said. He didn't say, let me pull it out of my pocket, did he? He said, if he really turned it around on him, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed you might say unto this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root and be thou planted into the sea, it should obey you. Okay, so Jesus really told them how to increase their faith. And here's the problem. Many times we look at what we have and we say, this isn't enough to get the job done. When God says what you have is enough if you'll plant it. Didn't he say, if you had faith as what? As a mustard seed. Okay, now there's many different ways of looking at that, but the context of this passage of Scripture, Jesus was not focusing on the smallness of the seed for a second. Yes, there are principles in the fact that the mustard seed is very small, but For a second, put that thought aside because the context is not talking about the size of the seed. The context is talking about the potential of the seed. Because when he really when it comes right down to it, all seed are tiny in comparison to the harvest that they bring. So let's not focus right now on the smallness of the seed. He said if you he didn't say if you have faith, the size of the seed. He said if you had the faith as a seed, faith as a seed. So no matter how tiny, it's what's inside the seed that's enormous. And he said, if you just had faith that functioned and produced like a seed, it's really not even important the type of seed. They all do the same thing. They just grow something different. Okay? So the Lord said, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed. So what Jesus is saying is that we are supposed to be doing with our faith what we do with seeds. Now, let me ask you a real simple question, not a trick question. What are you supposed to do with seeds? You're supposed to plant them. So when Jesus said, if you had faith as a seed, what he's saying is, if you had faith that you're willing to plant. See, they were worried about not having enough. They said, Lord, give us more seed. No, you're supposed to do something with that seed and it'll give you more harvest, it'll, which will in turn give you more seed. See, God doesn't always give us what we need. And you might want to write this down. God doesn't give you what you need. Put a period on it. I'm going to get your attention. God does not give you what you need. God gives you what you need to get what you need. In the book of Genesis, when God created man, The Bible says that the Lord planted a garden eastward in Eden. He planted it. Say God God planted a garden. That's the only time and the last time he ever did plant anything in the earth. From that point on, man did it. God planted the first garden, which produced the first crop of seeds. And God was done farming. And then it says, he has given unto man every, how did he give man every herb and seed? By planting the first crop. See, we want God to plant our crops. He already planted the crop. And now we take the seed from that harvest and we choose to sow it back into the kingdom of God. It's your money, your time, your efforts, your service, your love, Right. Everything about you is an offering to God. It's a seed to God. Okay, so God doesn't just give you you say, uh, God, oh, God, I need a new car. Ask you, give me a new car. You come out in the driveway. Boom, there's that pickup truck right there. You know, there might be miracles and there's times like that, but you don't sustain your life by miracles like that. That ain't how you live. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. That means you live by the principles of faith that are spelled out to us in the written word of God. And there is a law of faith that we walk and live under today. So when you're praying and you're asking God, to, you're saying, God, I need a new truck. God's going to tell you somebody that has a truck like the one you're wanting. And you say, you take them down to the gas station. You fill their tank up. Say, God bless you. And you sow a seed. Amen. You're you believing God for a new house. He's not going to give you a house. He's going to give you what you need. Whoo! Man, I'm preaching to y'all. He's going to give you what you need. We got to figure out a seed to sow for our house. Glory to God. But he's going to give you what you need to get what you need. And then ultimately, in the, in, the, in the end, when you're living in your house, you're driving your new Ford F-150, 6.2. They got the V6 now that's faster, but it don't sound as good. So, but anyways, um, I I rented a a Ford, the new EcoBoost. You know, have anybody ever drove those new EcoBoost? I mean, they're like it's like electric or something because you barely touch the gas. It's like, you know, it's like a like on Tron, that movie Tron. You know, that's how those things go. Um, but it sounds like it's a scooter. (laughs) You know, Um, anyways, so. um, uh, you, huh? waiting for the sound. Oh, yeah, no, I'm referring. I'm refraining from the sound. But yeah. but anyway, <laughs> Kathy said, yeah. Um, but, um, you know, God doesn't give you what you need. He's going to give you what you need so you can get what you need. Does that make sense to you? See, you think you need a truck. What you need is a seed. Yeah. You think you need a house. What you need is a seed. So, you know, you're believing for a house. I mean, you go find somebody and say, what curtains are you wanting? for some, You hear somebody say, i want to get some new curtains in my house. Oh, what curtains are you wanting? Uh, let me get those for you. See, you're, you're sowing a seed into someone else's house so you could reap a harvest for your own. Amen. Just being a blessing. It doesn't always have to be linked to your house or your car, but it would help. It would help you to engage your faith for what you're believing for, but then be open to the Holy Spirit and whatever else he tells you, whatever area else he tells you to be generous in, you just go for it. Amen. So does that help you? So um, Jesus, when they ask for more faith, he starts talking to them about farming. Because he's saying, you see, sometimes we really don't even know the right questions. What they should have asked was this, Lord when he said, you've got to walk in love towards your enemies, no matter what they do to you, you've got to let go of bitterness, you've got to let go of unforgiveness, and that's the context is why I bring that part up. But when they say, uh, instead of saying, Lord, increase our faith so we can do what you said, they should have said, Lord, please teach me how to use the faith that you've given me so that it can become what it needs to be, so I can do what you say to do. Amen? See, they didn't think they had what it took. So they asked God to increase what they had. What they wanted God to do was to give them more faith when it wasn't more faith that they needed. They just needed to plant the faith that they had already been given. I just can't overemphasize that point because it's so simple. I mean, you have to get educated to become confused about it. That's how simple this is. You have to talk to some theologian to get you confused about this. It's so simple. So, when Jesus said, if you had faith as a seed, what He's saying is, if you were willing to do with your faith what you do with the seed, you would say to this sycamine tree, be plucked up by the roots, be planted in the sea, and it (laughs) should obey you. So, okay, now here's the next question. I'm supposed to treat my faith like a seed. That means I'm supposed to plant it. How do I plant my faith? How do I plant my faith? Well, Jesus tells us right there in verse 6. He said, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you would do what? You would say, you would plant it. That's right. But the, the sowing is in the saying. Get this. The sowing, how do I sow my faith? The sowing is in the saying. Jesus said, if you had faith as a mustard seed, you would say, so I'm supposed to treat my faith like I treat a seed, which means I'm supposed to plant it. How do I plant it? I plant it by speaking. Whew. See, they wanted, They just thought if they had the faith, the tree would move. But you can have faith and your problem still be right there. Because why? You haven't planted it. Oh, man, come on, y'all. This thing is so simple. The, the Bible says in Proverbs that the way of God is so simple that even a fool can't get lost in it. It's so simple. It's so plain. Brother Hagan said this. He said, the only way... To fail the plan of God for your life is to be hopelessly unfaithful. And none of us are hopelessly unfaithful unless you just rebellious and say I don't want nothing to do with God. That's hopelessly unfaithful. But a person who blows it, gets back up, blows it again, gets back up, blows it again, sheds tears, my God help me, what's up with me? You know what? He can take you and He can make you become everything God's ever called you to become. So that when you become it, you don't hold your hand up and say, look what I've accomplished for myself. I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps. No man ever helped me. Everything I got, I earned it by the sweat of my own brow. It's pretty obvious too. (laughs) Come on, because what man can produce for themselves is minuscule in comparison to what God can produce for that person. They may work just as hard, but what their work is doing is not holding the thing together. There's no stress. There's no strokes. There's no heart attacks. There's no divorces because the load and the weight and the care doesn't all fall on me. I say, God, you've got a problem. I've already done everything you told me to do. If I need to do something else, you better speak up quick because I need some help. But until you speak up, I'm going to walk with my head up high. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. You've got this thing under control. If you're not worried about it enough to do something about it, then I shouldn't be worried enough about it to think something needs to be done about it right now. I don't care. I don't care. When Brother Hagin said that he got the revelation where it says in Peter, we're to cast all our care over on the Lord for He cares for us. He got Because he used to be such a worrying person all the time. And he got this revelation that we're not supposed to care. We're supposed to cast all our care over on the Lord. And, the, and uh, uh, Brother Hagin would tell the Lord he, when, when the ministry needed finances, Brother Hagin would say, Lord, this is your ministry. And when it came to Ramah Bible Training Center, if the ministry started uh, getting real tight with finances, Brother Hagin would say, Lord, Your school needs some money. He said, because I would have never started the school if you didn't tell me to start the school. (laughs) He said, I'll go back to preaching all around the the country uh, and I'll close these doors is what I'll do. Because I would have never started the school unless you told me to. Now, he was willing and obedient, but he knew that since that thing was born of God, he understood that it needed to be supported and raised by God. Amen. Amen. And so, back to this other illustration, when Brother Hagin got the revelation that we're not supposed to worry, we're not supposed to care, casting all your cares over on the Lord, for He cares for you, it uh, frustrated Miss Aretha, because she wasn't right at that same level as he was on that revelation at the time, and she was frustrated at one point, and she said, uh, if we fell over dead on the front porch, me and our kids, I don't even think you would care. And he just said, well, what would be the use in carrying in after you was dead? <laughs> Isn't that good? It's funny. I mean, I don't know about good, but it's funny. (laughs) Of course, he was teasing her because that's all he knew how to do was to rib people. But what do you call that? That's ornery here in Texas, right? So anyhow, that's for somebody, too, right there. Okay, so what time is it? I still got an hour and a half. Good. I'm just missing.